We're moving into a series of messages entitled, or titled, not entitled, titled, God Speaks. And this is message number one. And it's titled, An Unchanging Message. God does not change or do variations on the theme. God does not change. And there's nothing that you can do uh, to mess that up. God talks to us in encouraging ways. Amen? Now, he can and will warn us. Amen? But it doesn't sound like those lies. God will use phrases that will bring godly conviction in our lives, but not condemnation. Why? Because he paid too much, too heavy a price, to be, to, to be the kind of God with the kind of character he has to say those things to you that way. That's just not conviction, that's condemnation, and that character trait belongs to somebody else, not my father. Amen? All right, let's, let's get back to basics here. I want you to turn your Bibles to the book of Luke, chapter 24, the book of Luke, chapter 24, and we're going to give you, I like to preach the scripture, um, sometimes people they struggle with trying to keep up, but, but I'm telling you, the scriptures I'm using, they aren't secrets, they're not unheard of, they're not scriptures you don't know. You may want to pin some of them down. Uh, Luke chapter 24, verse 27 is where we're going to start. Luke 24, verse 27. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And this was Jesus talking, amen? We're going to look at the whole story a little later on in the message. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them and all the scriptures the things concerning himself. People, I'm here to tell you today, God still speaks. He doesn't have to, but he does. He didn't have to from the beginning, but he did, amen? And all that he's spoken, his single message is his plan of redemption, which finds its culmination in Jesus Christ. Has someone ever told you something only to come back later and change their story? You ever been lied about? Yeah. I'm thinking about this question. Some people's minds may immediately go to politicians. I'm not exactly sure why, but lying is not just a politician's shoebox, right? I think a lot of people have that problem. Uh, you've heard the joke, how do you know when a politician is lying, his lips are moving? Obviously, this doesn't characterize all politicians or perhaps even their message when speaking to different groups to accomplish certain goals. By contrast, when God speaks, he has only one message which is always applicable to everyone. Amen? As one whose very character and nature is holiness and truth, God cannot lie. Amen? As the sovereign creator and God over all things, there's no one to whom his message does not apply. Whether speaking through the world he has made, through his written word, or through the incarnate word, the Lord Jesus Christ, God's message is clear. You say, well, where, where is the Holy Ghost in this? Let me tell you where the Holy Ghost is. Back up one line. Or through the incarnate word, the Lord Jesus Christ. How does he speak to us today on a personal level? Through the power of the Holy Ghost. Can you say amen? 
Though our sin can separate us from God, his plan from the beginning was to reconcile to himself those who would place their faith in God's provision for redemption, Jesus Christ. Amen? There's only two points today. We're going to have communion today. We're going to follow up on this with communion today. First point, God has revealed himself from the beginning. From the beginning. Can you say amen? Since the beginning of the world, God has spoken to man. Though God speaks through creation itself, he didn't simply create the world and then hide. Amen? Leaving man to figure out the world and his place in it. Rather, from the beginning, God took the initiative to reveal himself, his ways, and his purpose to man. He spoke to the first man, Adam. Amen? He spoke to Adam as he walked and lived in the garden. He spoke to Moses from the burning bush. And later, according to Exodus 33, 11, face to face, because it says, thus the Lord used to speak to Moses, face to face, as a man speaks to his friend. Amen? First part of Exodus 33, verse 11. God spoke to the prophets by his spirit, commanding them to write down his words so that they might pass to future generations. You know where I got that from? 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 20 and 21. Knowing this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along in what? The Holy Spirit. Don't think I'm leaving the Holy Ghost out of this series of messages. He's all over it. Amen? He's all over it. God spoke to them in various ways at various times, according to Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. Long ago, at many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. The thing we must remember in all of this, however, is that God is the one who took the initiative. We did not reach out to him he reached out to us. His words are what he communicates to man. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. And what else, brothers and sisters, do we need? We should note, we should note in this message that Jesus is acknowledging Moses and the prophets, because that becomes important in this message. Moses and the prophets, the law and the prophets, as God's authoritative revelation in the Old Testament. Don't overlook both the fact that God has taken the initiative to reveal himself to man, and that from the beginning, God's message to man has pointed toward a single goal, as we will see in the latter part of this passage that we've read. Have you taken time to consider that God of all creation has taken the initiative to speak to man and to reveal himself? His character, his ways, his plan. He's spoken very plainly, really. We know that the Bible is God's divine revelation of himself to us. Because God does not change, his word has not changed, nor will it change. The question is, and I highlighted this, does the way you value or read or memorize or meditate upon the Word of God demonstrate that you recognize this incredible reality? 
Read it again. Does the way you value or read or memorize and meditate upon the Word of God demonstrate that you recognize this incredible reality? Second point. God's revelation has always pointed to Jesus Christ. God's revelation has always pointed to Jesus Christ. God's revelation of his redemptive plan began seemingly small, a promised seed that would come from the woman. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. If you're, if you're going to be injured, would you rather have a bruise to the head or a bruise to the heel? If I, if I told you the stories of when I was an EMS responder, much like my nephew, Mark Jr., if I came across someone who had a bruised heel, I was much less concerned than a person who had a bruised head, because if you got a bruised head, it's a traumatic head injury. And God told the serpent, he's going to bruise, uh, you're going to bruise his heel, but he's going to bruise your head. He's going, Jesus is going to give you a traumatic hand injury. Listen to me carefully. That will eventually be his undoing. Isn't that powerful? Over time, that revelation unfolded and, and became clearer. The promise would come through Abraham and then Isaac and then Jacob and then Judah and then David. Now let me tell you, think about this. Every one of those men, you can look at their lives and you see where they made mistakes. But you really want to see a run of bad errors? Wait till you get to David's sons. <laughs> you know? Now, I'm not just saying, oh, focus on, on David's sons because they were so much worse than us. No. <laughs> they exemplified a string of things you can do wrong that are common to man. Amen? But there was a lot of sons, and they did a lot of weird stuff, bad stuff, sin. Amen? See if I can make this plain to you. The promise would come through Abraham, then Isaac, then Jacob, then Judah, then David, etc. To read 2 Kings and see the miserable failure of all those sons of David, one could certainly wonder how God's promise would be fulfilled, but it was not yet fully revealed. Even at the end of the Old Testament, listen to this now, and I'm going to prove it to you. Even at the end of the Old Testament, the readers of Jesus' day were looking hoping and longing for the one who would come to deliver Israel, God's people. But notice that their vision wasn't broad enough. It wasn't broad enough to encompass Jesus Christ and all that he was doing. I will prove it to you. When would the one come who would fulfill the promise to Abraham and bring God's blessing not only to the Jews, but to all the people. Now, this is where it gets fun. We're going to just slow down a little bit. Go back to Luke chapter 24. Because the disciples who walked along the Emmaus Road with Jesus knew God had promised a Messiah who would redeem Israel. Listen carefully. In Luke chapter 24, let's begin with verse 13. That very day, Two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. 
While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still because they were dumbfounded. All right? What, listen to their response. And they stood still looking sad. Then one of them named Cleopas answered him, Are you the only visitor in Jerusalem? Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? In other words, how in the world could you be ignorant and uninformed? So ignorant and so uninformed as not to know what's been going on around here, right? Did you have your head stuck in the sand, right? Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? What things? Now, why Jesus already knows, right? It's going to become a matter of record now that Jesus has asked exactly what their answer was and to show the limits of their answer. And he said to them, what things? And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth. Now, they're going to tell you everything they know about Jesus. Isn't that what they're about to say? Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet... Notice they didn't say who was the Son of God. They didn't say that, right? Who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem who? Israel, just Israel. My name is Jimmy, I want all you will give me. My name is Israel, you know? redeem me. Right? Isn't that what they're going for? Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. In other words, they're about to say, and if the water wasn't muddy enough, right? Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O oh, foolish ones. How many of you know that the Bible says, call no man a fool? But if Jesus calls you a fool, baby, you're a fool. You know what I'm saying? Jesus can call anybody anything he wants, right? Because he knows the affairs of a person's heart. Why do you think the Bible says, call no man a fool? You go back to the Old Testament, you find out that the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Now, I love you guys, but I really don't know what's in your heart today. But God does. I, I can't call you a fool uh, and wouldn't to start with. God said don't. The word God says don't, right? But I, I can't read your thoughts. I can't see into your heart because I'm not God. And if I call you a fool, I'm trying to tell you that I can be just like God. I can read your mind. I know what's in your heart and I don't. Right? But Jesus says, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets had spoken. So they are the ones that brought the prophets into it. So Jesus is going to use the prophets to reveal, to move towards revelation of himself to them. Does that make sense? O oh, foolish ones and slow of heart, to believe all that the prophets have spoken, was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? 
And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So Jesus is walking with them. They don't know he, who he is, and he's using the opportunity to teach them about himself. Isn't that powerful? So they drew near to the village in verse 28 to which they were going. He acted as if he were going further, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them when he was at table with them. And he took the bread, and he blessed and broke it and gave it to them, and their eyes were open. Where had they seen him do this before? Was at the Lord's Supper. The Last Supper. And he, couldn't, he wasn't going to be able to stay with them after he broke the bread and blessed it and handed it to them. Why? Because he said, I will not do this again until I am with you. Amen? Amen? After he comes back and gets to the church, we can have communion service that lasts thousands of years if we want to. Amen? And their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. Verse 31, verse 32, they said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road and while he opened to us the scriptures? I gotta, I've got to take a little side path here and tell you that as this last week rolled around and I'm going over this passage and going over this passage and going over this passage, I put my finger on that passage of those words. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me about this is what worship services are supposed to be like. Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? In other words, should not our hearts burn within us when the Holy Ghost comes and inhabits the praises of his people? Get ready. Get ready. Amen. And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem and they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. They were hoping Jesus was that Messiah, yet it seemed their hope was lost. And only the Messiah that would deliver them and them only. The Israelites, right? The nation of Israel. It's here that Jesus, far from giving them some new or different revelation, trust me on this, there's not, a, there's not a lot of new and different revelation out there. Amen? As a matter of fact, what have I said over and over again? If you receive some, something's dropped into you, go looking for it in the Word for confirmation. Amen? It, there's, God's not going to add above and beyond what he's already given us in this book. But he'll give us things that each one will confirm the other. Amen? But I'm telling you, there are people out there, they, they, don't, they don't need this book anymore. Uh, they just need revelation from God. That's all they need. God help us. Amen? I don't want to go off on some trail with this, but I'm telling you, leading up to the election, there were thousands of prophets in this world prophesying the outcome of the election. And the, and the prophecy was all the same. It was all the same. 
I don't care if anybody cheats in election or not. If God said it was going to come out this way, it was going to come out the way the prophet said. Those that prophesied, right? And the thing that hurt me most was, when it was over with, you heard lots of different excuses, and they just kept right on prophesying. There's not a single one of them that I trust today. Not one of them. That's why some people say, Brother Dennis, you, you don't teach enough on the Holy Spirit and his gifts. We're getting there. We're getting there. That's all I could say. We're getting there, right? This church will never be built on some kind of supernatural revelation alone. It will be revelation linked to this book, and it will be this book linked to the revelation. Amen? And God will build his church. God will build his church. Amen? That's one of the reasons why we're going back to basics. It is here that Jesus, far from giving some new or different revelation, showed them the fulfillment of what God has spoken. From the beginning, it hasn't changed. Amen? The text says, Jesus began with Moses and the prophets and interpreted for them how all the scriptures pointed to him. Jesus showed these followers and therefore us that God has been speaking from the beginning about his plan to redeem lost man to himself through Christ. That's not complicated. And it shouldn't be twisted. Amen? Now, through Christ, the plan's coming to pass. So what about the COVID virus? The plan's coming to pass. Amen? Now, here's how we apply this to our lives. Listen to me. I've said it before. It bears repeating. Do you remember me saying, God has no plan B. God made the plan before the foundation of the world, before the foundation of this world was formed, before the concrete was poured. Amen? Before mankind took his first breath. Amen? God looked down through the portals of time, saw how everything was going to unfold. Amen? And he said, I got a plan for that. And he hid it in Christ. And how do we know? Because we've been through the book of Ephesians. Amen? He had a plan before the foundation of the world, and he hid it in Christ. Amen? Amen. For some, their need is to acknowledge their own sin, and Christ is the only Savior, bowing their hearts before him in repentance, faith, and surrender. That's for all of us. Amen? For those who have trusted Christ... Our responsibility is to speak to others that which God has spoken from the beginning. We don't need an extra special message. Amen? We may need the Holy Ghost to anoint our words. Amen? But the words need to be the words that were true from the beginning and know, and what do we know? From before the beginning. Amen? We don't need a new message. We don't need a new message. We have to speak boldly and clearly the message of reconciliation with God through Christ. This is both the message and the mission we've been given. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 18 through 20. I love these words. It's, it's amazing to me how simple words in the Bible just jump out and wrap themselves around my heart. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. You have a ministry. Amen? That is, in Christ, God, has, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, 
and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. I, I, I took the last part of this, I looked at it, I said, Father, that, that's got to be takeaways right there. Takeaways, they're simple. God is a God who speaks, amen? Now, there are three things that he reveals. God who reveals himself is first, his character. From, from jump start, God was revealing his character, amen? Notice he, he entered the garden after the fall and there was no outrage. He was not, there was no shock. There was no surprise. There was none of that stuff. God began pursuing Adam and Eve instantly. Amen? He interrupted a wardrobe change for him. Amen? Even that they went about wrong. Fig leaves aren't enough. Amen? And God began to teach them about sacrifice by taking the life of an animal and using its skin to make clothes for them, to make a covering for them. That's how I know that instantly God began to teach Adam and Eve about the shedding of innocent blood from animals, not so that they could be cleansed from their sins, because only the blood of Christ does that but it could be a covering for their sins so they would not be cut off from God. Amen? God reveals himself first, his character, and then he reveals his purpose, just to reconcile man to God. Amen? And then he reveals his plan. You know, of all the things that we can hear in our lives, like you're not good enough, you know, your wife doesn't love you. Your husband doesn't love you. You're no good. You're never going to have uh, these things that are necessary for life. We already know better than that. God loves to provide those things that are necessary to life. He just wants us to spend less time praying about those temporal things and pray more about eternal things. Amen? That's what he wants from us. And so his purpose was to reconcile man to himself and then he, he went about revealing the plan of how he would do it. Now, in the Old Testament, it was greatly concealed. Amen? Even to the point that after he died on the cross, he had to teach those people that followed him that he wasn't just there to redeem Israel. If he was just there to redeem Israel, everyone in this room would be lost. Amen? We'd be lost. From the beginning, that which he has spoken has been clear and consistent. Aren't those simple words? From the beginning, that which God has spoken has been clear and consistent. He will provide for the lost man a sinless redeemer that will reconcile God and man. He has done this in Christ. In the weeks to come, we will see not only that God speaks but how he's spoken, amen? And how all that he has spoken points us to Christ. God speaks an unchanging message. Can you say amen? Those, those are fundamentals. And yet, all of the depth that you could ever share from a pulpit is included in that one simple message, amen? But there's more. 
We're going to enjoy it over the next number of weeks. Amen. I don't think I'm exaggerating when I tell you that I believe that God's been here in a little more special way than we've enjoyed in the past. Can you say amen? I believe it with all my heart. I believe that God is doing great things. Can you say amen? You know, it's funny. Some people could be sitting there thinking to themselves, Man, I don't believe that. Guess what? It ain't going to be here for you. If that's your thinking, it ain't going to be here for you. Amen? Did any of you receive um, the implements for communion as you came in? Is there anyone that doesn't have them? All rise, stand up, track right over there, and pick some up and come back to your seat. We're going to have communion together. I look around this room. I, I, I said it on Christmas Eve. I don't ever want to get in a rush and shortchange people on the teaching of uh, communion. But everyone I see here has been in the teaching on communion a number of times. Am I right or wrong? 